0: i
1: Amen. Appreciate that song. What an amazing God we have. And his love is amazing. And uh, what he has done for us, man, such a wonderful thing. Um, I do want to congratulate. We got some guys over here from our Spanish ministry. And uh, they graduated from Bible college last night. And so, uh, congratulations to them. Yeah, give them a round of applause. Great job. Stuck it out there. They were going up there to Cleveland to Bible College and they graduated last night and so excited about their future, what the Lord has in store. Three more men willing to preach the gospel and that's an awesome thing and uh, so, so excited for them and what the Lord has in store for the future for them. And um, We live in a world that is on the attack. The devil is on the attack and, uh, and he's trying to destroy, he's trying to tear down the best he can and, um, and we, need to, we need to raise up more warriors, we need to raise up more laborers for the harvest, and uh, we need to be united in our attack, um, in our offensive, I guess you should say, our offensive against this world, and the devil, the god of this world, little g, god of this world. And uh, that's what we're going to speak about this evening, and uh, you know, the, the thing about uh, the world in which we live is that they've always been united in their attack against God. That when it comes to anti-God, it's the one thing that they can get on page with. And uh, it's amazing how they'll just bicker and fight about everything. The lost world, I'm talking about the lost world. It's confusion and it's chaos. You look at our government and how it's run, you, you know, it's a perfect picture of chaos. And that's just how the lost world is. The devil's the author of confusion. And so uh, without God in our lives, it is a, a world of confusion and chaos. And, um, and the, the world has always been very, uh, very good at uniting... When it comes to attacking the things of God. And we know that very, from the very beginning um, that uh, the world has always been united in opposition of truth. The devil from the point in the garden where he began to add and manipulate God's word, add to and manipulate God's word, he was opposing truth. And, and that's the world in which we live today. They're, they don't want there to be any absolute truths. Uh, everything is self-defined or, um, you know, just however you view it. If you, if you feel or you think that that uh, is true, you can live your own truth. And, and that's the way the world has been from the very beginning. You think about Jesus Christ. He came unto his own. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. And he came unto his own and his own received him not. They wanted nothing to do with him. And so the world has always been united in opposition to truth. They've always been united in their hatred for the things of God. And uh, you look all through the scriptures and uh, you certainly could see story after story. And even the martyrs, um, you think about Stephen. And, and uh, the Bible says that they ran at him in one accord to stone him. And, uh, and that's, that's how it was. They, they, they came at him just united in hatred. We've got to kill this thing. We've got to stamp out the cause of Christ. And, and that's the world in which we live today. But that ought not to be the church. The world is united against God. And it's amazing what they've been able to accomplish. When I said that all not to be the church, I'm not talking about the unity. I'm talking about our opposition to God, getting in God's way. But the, the, the world has been able to accomplish some pretty amazing things. For a country or a nation that was founded on biblical principle, it's amazing how far we've come. How, how opposite from where, the way we were founded we are today. And, and this is a, it was a Christian nation, and, and I still believe it, it is a Christian nation, but it's not what it used to be. And it's not, it's not nearly what it used to be, and that's because of the united attack of the world, the lost world on the things of Christ. And uh, you see how they've been able to remove God from all of our education. They've been able to remove God from science. They've been able to remove God from, uh, I mean, every area of life. You look around and they've, they've sought to take even, even these attacks on uh, the more recent, um, just blatant attacks on uh, life, the sanctity of life. What is that? It's just removing God just another step they're removing that God creates life and places that within the womb. Oh, the woman's not pregnant. That's not another life. That's just an organism that's attached to her body. And she can choose to do whatever she wants with that organism. It's just a tumor. It's just a growth. And uh, it, this is just another um, full front attack by the world um, to destroy the things of God. But my point being is that the world, because they've uh, always been united against the things of God, they've been able to make Some heavy progress, especially in America, against God. Now we know they'll never prevail against the church. They'll never prevail against Christ. It's it's not going to happen. The devil's not going to win the battle, uh, or he's not going to win the war, uh, but he can definitely inhibit or uh, slow down or make difficult our progress in reaching the world with the gospel, and that's what he's trying to do. What could happen if the church would be united as the world is against God? if the church would be as united for God. Unity within the church. And, uh, and I believe that it's something that we could have a whole lot more of. And While we have a strong church, and, and I'm thankful for it, and while I believe that there's a, a good spirit of unity here, um, could we do better? Absolutely. There's every area of life we could do better in. Every area of Christianity, uh, Christianity and our spiritual well-being, we could improve upon. And it is instructed by the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, just, just listen to this if you would. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. The instruction very clearly given to the church in that passage here, of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, is that there would be a spirit of unity amongst God's people. Now, I want to be clear this evening as we uh, enter into this topic that we do not create unity. The church does not create unity. All right? Uh, The Bible says, uh, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, which we be, Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And so upon salvation, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God made us all united. He put us into one body. That's who we are. So we don't create unity. It's not our job to create unity. God created the environment for us to be united within. He brought us all in and he added us all to the body. And every one of you that are here tonight as the members of Community Baptist Temple, he has added you into this body and now it is our job to keep the unity. The Bible um, is very clear that, um, that what we are to do, Ephesians chapter 4, why don't you turn there and let's read the passage, Ephesians chapter 4, and, uh, where we're given instructions on our part with unity. So um, the, God create, created unity when he saved us and brought us all together. And you, pastor, was just talking about this the other day. But you may, you may feel like, "Well, I just don't fit in." Well, let me tell you that that's the work of the devil. Whenever he gets members of the body to feel like you don't belong, that is not the spirit of God. And so you might be sitting in the church tonight, feeling like, "Oh man, I just don't fit. I don't, I don't fit. I don't fit." Well, did God add you to this body? Did He do that? Well, if he did that, he added you to this body, then there is a role for you to play within this body. We just have to figure out how we are going to be united in playing our roles. And uh, it's not, it's not a, oh, I've got to move on. No, if you won't be content with the role God has you in right now, you won't be content in the next body that you try to attach yourself to. All right? Does that make sense? you following along. So God's added you in this body. There's a role for you to play here. And, uh, and so we've got to figure out how to play that. 1 Corinthians um, chapter... 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vacation. Vocation. Work, vacation. Vocation. Um, let's, let's read the Bible for what it is here. Worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. All right. Body of Christ. You've been given a job. The vocation. You've been given it. Walk worthy according to it. You've got your job. Now you've got to fulfill that job. With all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now here's what I want you to notice: Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. Uh, one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. ...in the bond of peace. So we don't create unity... ...but it is our job as the body of Christ... ...to endeavor to keep the spirit... ...of unity. To keep the spirit of unity. And uh, and I want to talk about that tonight. What could the church accomplish... ...with a spirit of unity? Or And uh, I'm, what we're going to do is... ...we're going to look through a, a list of five things... ...and those five things are things that we can practice... ...on a daily basis. Things that we should be united in. And... Uh, we can't risk to not be effective. The world in which we live today is in such desperate need for Christians to be effective. So we got to step our game up. We've got to do more. And, uh, and the Bible is very clear that we've got a vocation. We've been given a job. Let's be in one mind in doing that job. All right. So uh, tonight we're going to look at the idea of unity of the spirit. All right, in the church. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we do thank you for this evening, for our time in your Word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, loose my tongue, Lord, that I would be able to speak clearly. Holy Spirit, please give me utterance, Lord, that I would know the mind of God, that I would not speak in my own strength or knowledge, but that I would be directed by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with every listening ear. Lord, I pray that we would be receptive to the Word that you have for us this evening that we would be um, reproved, rebuked, and edified according to the the purpose of preaching and to your word. And Lord, I pray uh, that you would do a great and effectual work in our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. The first thing that I want to look at this evening, uh, an area where we can be united, where we can be unanimous, where we can all work together, is the area of prayer. Unanimous in prayer. And I want you, if you would, to look over at Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. Acts chapter 1. And we're, we're going to be moving around a lot. I hope you got a pen. I hope you got a, a piece of paper. And uh, you're going to take some notes here because I, eventually we're going to have to start moving. And, uh, and so I'm just going to have to give you references. You can write those down and, and follow up with them uh, later. But we need to be unanimous in prayer. In uh, Acts chapter 1, we see that Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. He's left the church with the promise, I will not leave you comfortless. And, uh, and so the people, the church of God, they all go back to Jerusalem and they're in the upper room. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So God gave them that promise. All right, skip down to verse number 14. So they're all gathered together in that upper, uh, upper room waiting for the, the fulfilling of God's promise. And they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. There's about 120 people from what the Bible tells us who were gathered together in this upper room who were in one accord in prayer and supplication. The thing is that we need to be united in this front of prayer. And I'm not talking about that just one of us are praying or the other is praying, but that as a group we are united in what we are praying for. And we know that there's something stated here that these folks were all together in one place and they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. One accord in prayer and supplication. They had all gotten together. They all had the, the prayer list, and they were praying towards a specific goal. And this is just one area of our lives where we can be in unison, where we can work together, where we can have unity in the body of Christ, making us more effective. I want you to look in Acts chapter 4, if you would, with me. Move forward a little bit. Acts chapter 4. And verse number 24, Acts 4 and verse 24... This is uh, Peter and John had just been arrested and uh, they were charged by all the Pharisees and the, the folks of the, the religious day saying, hey, don't talk about Jesus. We don't want to hear anything about him. And, uh, and they sent them on their way. And Peter and John went back to their, the Bible says, their company. All right. So they went back to the church and, and look at what they did. They told their story. And when the people had heard that, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is uh, ...in them, alright? And so here we are, these, these group of people... They, they, ...they come back and they get together... ...and they're in one accord in prayer. And prayer is such a powerful tool. But it's neglected. It's not used. And while the instruction for pray- prayer is clearly given... Uh, ...how often are we fervent in it? If the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much... ...then what have we seen happen recently... Where has God been able to work through our prayer lives? What have we prayed in faith and seen God perform? See, we ought to be united in this area. We ought to be working together in this area. The Bible is very clear in its instruction. Again, just listen to these and write these references down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. That's the will of God. That's for all of us to do. Pray without ceasing. Secondly, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. These are the instructions given to the church of how we should act in our prayer life. Colossians chapter 4, 2 and 3. Continue in prayer. And watch the same with thanksgiving. It's very clearly instructed through the word of God that we as the church are to be praying. I wonder, what's the prayer life like? What is your prayer life like? Remember, this is about unity. This is about us all pulling our weight. This is about us all agreeing on an area. And I hate to break it to you, but even if 99 out of 100 are doing their role, that's still not united. Right? The team is only as strong as its weakest link and we are instructed and and clearly instructed in the Word of God to be of the same mind, to be united one with another. What is your prayer life like? Is it possible that your prayer life is the weakness of the unity of Community Baptist Temple? Because it's lack of existence? Now again... Take this with a a grain of salt. I'm not saying that we have no unity here, but I'm saying we could do better. Would we have more unity? Would we be a stronger assembly? Would we be more effective for the things and the cause of Christ if we were uh, united in unison in our prayer lives? What does your prayer list look like? Would you be ashamed to display it? Not for the purpose of man, but I'm saying that you would be known for what it actually is? How often do you spend time in prayer? Where's your prayer closet? How much time did you spend in prayer this morning? Have you prayed for your pastor today? Have you prayed for your brothers and sisters in Christ, for the needs that are put out in this list every week? Have you been faithful in praying for these things? This is our instruction as the body of Christ, and this is where our strength comes from. It comes from our unity. And God has created the environment. He's given us the place where all we have to do is endeavor to maintain it. Your spirit of prayer. And I want you to, I, I want to be very clear tonight, church. That I wish my not wish, I need to make my prayer life better. We could all be improving. We could all be more consistent. And I'm not trying to tear you down this evening. I want to encourage us to let's do more. Let's be united. And let's remember that it's not a weak thing for us to need prayer. I want to draw your attention. Just write it down to Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Jesus Christ is getting ready to face the cross. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out. And departed into a solitary place. I'm telling you. If the spotless, sinless son of God. The way, the truth, the life. The triune God. Needed to pray to his heavenly father. How much more do we need that? How much more do we need to have that attitude? If the perfect son of God needed to commune with his heavenly father. We need prayer. Secondly, this evening, we see, first we see our prayer life. The second, uh, second thing that I want to point us to is that we need to be unanimous in a place. First, unanimous in prayer. Second, we need to be unanimous in a place. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. Let's move forward to that. Acts chapter 2, or back now I guess. Acts 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Acts chapter 2, verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple... ...and breaking bread from house to house... ...did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Acts chapter 5, verse number 12. Acts 5, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles... ...were many signs and wonders wrought among the people... ...and they were all with one accord... ...in Solomon's porch. Unanimous in a place. And I'm talk about this evening... ...what I'm talking about here is our assembling together... ...one place. All those scriptures that were mentioned... ...are talking about faithfulness to a place. Now I understand just as clearly as you do... ...that the church is the body of Christ. It is us as individuals. But there is something special... ...and something unique about assembling together... ...as the body of Christ in one place... And the Bible gives us very clear instruction about it. And uh, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us not to forsake the assembling uh, together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. But I'll tell you right now, right now that there is more to it than just go because it's instruction. Go because it's a commandment. There's a lot of benefits to it. The first benefit that I see is it provides accountability and spiritual growth. The church provides accountability and spiritual growth. And we don't like that word. Very few people do like the word accountability. We don't like being held to an expectation or being asked about the status of our Christian lives or really much anything at all. But our Christian lives. The church has been put in place for our accountability and our spiritual growth. You know why people don't want to attend churches today? Cuz they don't want to be accountable. They don't want somebody looking at them and say, oh, no, they're just judging me. I feel like they're just looking down. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about spiritual growth that can only be accomplished through the local church. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has put people in place inside the church, inside this place, that are there for your spiritual growth and my spiritual growth. And when I forsake that, when I am not here, we cannot be united. We cannot work in unison. One arm's going over here and this leg's going over here and a toe's over here and an ear's over here and we're not where we're supposed to be. We're not under the instruction. We're not under the accountability. We're not under the organization. And we're not growing the way that we should be. But when we are united, when we have gathered together united to a place, spiritual growth can take place that wouldn't normally take place. Secondly, the church, it allows us to meet with God in a different way. Say what, what are you talking about? I'm the Holy Spirit of God's with me. I want you to notice in Matthew chapter eighteen, again, just, just listen to these. I, I've got so many scriptures here. Matthew chapter eighteen, verse nineteen and twenty. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, where's the Holy Spirit of God in your life right now? He's inside of you. What happens when you two or three are gathered together? Where is he? In the midst. There's something about the gathering together of the church where God meets with us in a different way. Where he can work in our hearts and in our lives in a different way. It's not just there's two or three that are gathered together. No, it's that he, he comes down in a different and special way, a unique way and meets in the midst of those people. And that's incredibly important in our lives. If we're to grow and we're to be the church that we ought to be, or if we're to be united the way that we should be united, then we need to be here. We need to be in this place. And I know, uh, preaching to the choir, you're here tonight, and it's Wednesday night, and that's great. But you know what? There's folks that are missing out on this. There's folks that don't understand this. They feel like they can get to Sunday morning and they can move on. They feel like they can get the Sunday morning and Sunday evening and they'll be okay. But there's a level of spiritual growth that will not take place until we understand that we've got to be united in this place. And if we're missing members of our body tonight, can we be united before God? That's why we have a responsibility to encourage. That's why we have a responsibility to edify. That's why we're supposed to go one to another and say, Hey man, I want to worship with you. I want you to be here with me. I we got to encourage one another so we can be united in the house of God. And we see in these Old Testament saints... Hey, by the way, the the Old Testament saints who turned the world upside down in just a matter of a, a short period of time... You know why? Because of their unity. Their unity, that's what did it. So where's our unity at? If 12 disciples can turn the world upside down, why can't 150... Could it be because of a lack of unity? Could it be that we're not all fighting the same fight? We're not all on the same page? We're not all speaking the same thing? We're not all in one accord in one place? Man, that's why we got to get the body of Christ to where it should be. we got to work on who we're supposed to be. And so we see it allows us to, to meet with God on a different level. Also, it enables us to be more effective in reaching our city, our nation, and our world with the gospel. Why we need to be here? Why it's so important that we're united and that we're all working on the same page? Because we will do a whole lot more for the kingdom of heaven if we're united in that front. Great. Be a personal soul winner. And that's the commandment. We need to do that. You need to be a soul winner throughout the week. But you know what? When the army gets together, a whole lot more work is done than one-on-one fights. And that's why we get together. That's why we gather together. That's why we have that Tuesday night soul winning. That's why we have that Saturday morning organized outreach. Why? Because we need to be united. Are you united in that fact? In one place? Will we be in our place when it comes time to to reach out to our community with the gospel? You know, the church has always been the institute. Acts chapter 13, verse 3, and just write it down. The church has always been the institute where missionaries were sent out from. And you and I are missionaries. We're gathered together and we're sent out throughout the week. And then when we get together on those weekend times, those appointed times, we are missionaries. I wonder how how united are we in this front? Are you a soul winner? Do you confrontationally open your mouth and share the good news of Jesus Christ? Do you pitch in with the army, lock arms with your brothers and sisters in Christ and go down two by two walking down these streets telling the good news of Jesus Christ? Wait wait a second. How many people need to be missing for it not to be united, uh, united in unity? Man, it, it only takes one. You're saying to everyone in this room? Well, everyone that's physically able, we ought to be soul winners. And if we're not, we're not contributing to the unity. And that's the bottom line. And if we're not contributing to the unity, then the church is not as effective as it could be. Because this is the instruction given in the word of God. We've got to be united In our obedience. All right? So we see that they were uh, unanimous in a place. They all gathered together. They were united. They were there for a specific purpose, for a cause. And when they gathered together, they were so much more effective as a group than they were individually. And the Lord met with them in special ways that He didn't meet with them individually. All right? And so uh, we see those points there. So they were unanimous in a place. Thirdly, this evening, I'd like to point out the need for unity and obedience. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 6. Acts chapter 8, verse number 6, the Bible says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. With one, what how did they give heed? One accord. With one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. They sat under the preaching of God's word in the church. The New Testament church, as it's newly formed in the book of Acts, in one accord received what had been preached. Are we united in our obedience to God's word? Obedience always has positives. It's the first commandment with promise. There's God always blesses obedience. Obedience. There is always consequence to disobedience. There's always consequence to disobedience. And the thing about disobedience when it comes to the idea of unity and the church being obedient to the word of God as it's being preached to them. all right. So we've gathered together. We're in an assembly this evening. God has ordained this evening me through the leadership of pastor to bring the message and God has spoken to my heart about what message to deliver to the people. Now you are hearing a specific truth that God has for us this evening the group of people that are here. So as we hear this truth tonight... How will we obey? Will we be united in our obedience, however the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart tonight? If we will not be united in obedience to the truth that is preached from the pulpit and from the classroom of Community Baptist Temple, we are affecting, we are hurting the body of Christ. We see all through, the, all through the scriptures where people, and Achan is one of the prime examples, how his disobedience not only hurt him, but it affected the people that were immediately around him. And we may not want to take ownership this way. We may not want the personal responsibility of this. But the truth of the matter is, is that our obedience or disobedience is affecting our brothers and sisters in Christ in this room tonight. Are you united in your obedience towards God. When He speaks to you, how do you respond? Maybe He's already spoken to you tonight in a specific way. the Holy Spirit of God has pricked your heart. What will you do with that? We need to be united in our obedience. Fourthly this evening, we need to be unanimous in peace. We need to be unanimous in peace. Acts chapter fifteen verse twenty two, we see here. uh, Let's turn there. Acts chapter fifteen twenty two. Acts chapter fifteen verse twenty two. You notice that for the most part this evening we're in the book of Acts. You know what's so good about the book of Acts? These people were accomplishing something for the cause of Christ. They were getting it done. That's why it's called the book of Acts because they were acting. There was a lot of action. There was things happening for God. And if we want to do something for God, I think we need to learn a lesson from this specific group of people. Amen. Acts chapter 15, verse 22. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, or surnamed uh, Barsabbas, uh, Barsabbas, and Silas, um, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner: The apostles and elders and brothers send greeting unto the brethren which are at... Uh, of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and uh, Sicilia. For as much as we have heard listen for as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you ...with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. So there was some men who came out from the church here... ...and the Bible calls it, for as much as we heard... ...that certain which went out from us have troubled with words... ...I have troubled you with words, subverting your souls. There were members of the church at this time who had went out... ...and they were causing, subverting is to cause confusion... And what they were doing is they were trying to add the law back into the gospel of grace. And they were causing confusion among the church. And, and it was causing a lot of fighting. It was causing a lot of bickering and arguments. And, and they said, hey, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord. Notice they, how were they were assembled there? With one accord. To, uh, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Know what they did there? They sent a bunch of peacemakers said so there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of things going on, there's bickering, there's fighting. We're going we're to get together as the body of Christ and we are going to bring peace. We're going to calm this whole situation down. And that's how the church ought to be today. We ought to be unanimous in our peace. There should be no confusion as a result of our gathering together. And when we go out from this place, there shouldn't be gossiping. There shouldn't be jealousy, there shouldn't be unkindness there shouldn't be unfriendliness there shouldn't be cliques within the church you know what there also shouldn't be being offended there shouldn't be any bitterness within the church but do you know do you know how frequent those things are within churches do you know how prevalent bitterness is within a church That ought not to be. Do you know how much unfriendliness there can be within a church? No, you'll never say it to somebody's face. You just avoid them. Do you think that that will ever be unity? Do you think that will ever produce the spirit of of unity? Do you think that that's even endeavoring to maintain the spirit of unity? No, it's not. But we are the church. We are God's chosen people and we need to be united. We live in a world where they are united against us and they are uh, united against the cause of Christ. The church above all else ought to be united against the devil. They're all not to be murmurings. They're all not to be complaining. They're all not to be griping. They're all not to be bitterness. You say, but you don't understand what they said or what they did or how they're acting. I just don't like it. You know what? Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That's the spirit of the church. That's a spirit of unity. that's how we ought to behave. Do you have something against a brother or sister in Christ? Well, that might just be why we don't have the unity we should have. Is it possible you've got some bitterness or some hurt? Sometimes they're valid. If you have all against your brother, go to him. And address it with him directly. Because that's the biblical mandate. And if it's some obvious and some blatant sin that you can't forgive and it's affecting people, you go to him directly. And if, and if he won't hear you, then the Bible says you get a brother and you go, to, you go together with them. If he won't hear them, then you take it to the, the pastor. That's the biblical way to handle hurts in the church. But, if, but a lot of times we, we won't even take step number one. We won't even go directly to the brother and let them know that we're offended or we're hurt. We'll just stew and we'll steam and we'll get upset until something explodes. and Then we'll say, but all those years or all that time ago, you did this to me. They may not even have known. And the unity of the church has been compromised ever since then. Because we held it in our hearts. It ought not so to be. We need to be uh, united. We need to be unanimous in peace. And then finally this evening, we need to be unanimous in glorifying God. We need to be unanimous in glorifying God. Romans chapter 15 verse 5 says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. You know, as the body of Christ, we should be voicing our appreciation of God. When we are gathered together and when we have fellowship one with another, can I, can I give you some instruction in your conversation, one with another within the church? Voice your appreciation of God. Give thanks for what he's done in your life. Talk about what he's doing, the good things that have taken place. Uh, even since Sunday, I've had several people in the church text me and talk about how God has done some great things for them this week. That's how it ought to be. You know why? That encouraged me. No, I don't have... Uh, someone was talking about a house, a deal that they, uh, they were going to be selling a house and the, the, it fell through. And it didn't look like it was ever going to happen and they were discouraged about it. And then all of a sudden the buyer changed their mind. And the house sold. And they're just rejoicing. Man, God worked that out. He worked that out for me. You know what? I don't have a vested interest in the sale of that house. Except that it's a, a sister in Christ. But, I, you know, it doesn't affect my pocketbook. As it were. Be honest. But you know what, know what does happen there? It encourages me. And I'm just rejoicing the goodness of God in their lives. Do you voice appreciation for God? Do you talk about what he's done for you? Or do you just talk about the sports you just talk about the television? you just talk about what you're doing or your hobbies or your families? What about God? We need to be united in that fact. And when we gather together above all the places that we gather, this ought to be the place where we praise and we worship God for His goodness. And we talk about it. We ought to voice our appreciation. We ought to voice our adoration. Adoration is giving reverence to the one who's deserving of it. Doesn't our God deserve our reverence? Not just simply honor, revering him, elevating him to the position that he is worthy of. That's how we ought to gather together. And you know, how, know, know why this one's so difficult? Because then we can't be prideful and adore him at the same time. We ought, not to, we ought not to be so full of self that we can't voice our adoration for the Lord when we've gathered together. We need to voice our appreciation. We need to voice our adoration. We need to voice, uh, voice our affection. Just your simple love for Him. You talk about your love for God. Your love for the things of God? Do you talk about love for your prayer life and love for your memorization of scripture? Do you talk about your love for the thing, uh, attending the house of God? Do you talk about your love for, for soul winning and being a witness? Do you talk about those things? Or are they not really loves and so they're not talked about? Because the truth of the matter is that the depths of our heart, out of the wells of your heart come buckets of speech. If you love something, it's what you'll talk about. And if we can't gather together and talk about our love for Him, then maybe it's not what it should be. Maybe we're not united in this area of glorifying God the way that we ought to be. And then we ought to voice our allegiance. Our willingness to submit to His plan. He's the boss. He's in control. I pledge allegiance to the flag. (laughs) No, I pledge allegiance to God. He has complete control. He's he's the best and greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And I'm so glad and I'm so happy that I get the chance to submit to him. And that he is the one who's in control. We need a spirit of unity. We need a spirit of unity in our church. And we need to do more in affecting our world with the gospel. And the truth of the matter is that when we are united, we project an image of the trinity. We project the gospel in a better way because God has saved us so that we can be one. That we can be one in Him and He can be one within us. And when He's one in us and we're one with Him and we're one with another, then the world will see. We need to be unanimous in our prayer. We need to be unanimous in this place. We need to be unanimous in our obedience. We need to be unanimous in peace. We need to be unanimous in glorifying God. That's instruction. Now, where's your report card? Where are you at tonight? Would you say that you're united in those things with the church? Or I can improve this. And let's all do our part. Let's not look across the aisle and say, if they would just get on board, we'd be more united. Let's just us be united. Let's us do our part in these things. Let's be working together as a team. Man, the world is united against us. We need to to put up a better fight. And we can. We've got a great church and a great group of people who gather here together, but we can do better. As Community Baptist Temple, we can do better. We can be better in our unity. And if we're better in these areas, we're going to be better equipped to please our Heavenly Father. To get the gospel out. Where are you in your prayer life? Where are you in your faithfulness to the house of God? And who could you encourage to be more faithful? Where are you in your obedience? The Lord speaks to you. How is your response? Where are you in peace? Do you have all against your brother? Is there conflict within your spirit? Where are you in your worship and glorification of God? Do you talk about Him or all you have to do is talk about yourself? Do you lift His name up? Or do you just lift yourself up? Amen. We can do better in these things. And so let's work on being united in one accord as the body of Christ. Let's be in one accord. So much work to do for God. So little time to do it in. Let's be as effective as possible. Father, we do thank You for this evening. We thank You for our time to be here in the house of the Lord and